Hello and welcome to Potshot. I'm Alex Towles and today I'm joined by Seb and Manus. Manus, what colour are your socks? I'm not wearing any socks, but I usually wear white. Fair enough. Seb, what colour are your socks? I'm also not wearing any and they vary between black and white. Very interesting. Wow, right? this is a really our first damp squid of a <laughs> potshot question here. Uh, I'm wearing green socks today. So today we're going to be going through our 1-0 away win against Crystal Palace. Uh, to sum up the game, after a tight first half where we struggled to create against a strong Palace block, the deadlock was broken after 54 minutes by an Erdegaard penalty. Palace fought back after the goal and we started to look to waste some time. This led to Tomiyasu being sent off on 67 minutes for a second yellow. The first one was for time wasting and the second was for stopping a counter. The game then became almost a mirror image of the first half, where instead of us camped in the Palace half, Palace were camped in ours, but a gritty defensive display helped us see out the win. The standout change in the lineup was that Yurian Timber was out. He is out with an ACL injury, and Takahiro Tomiyasu took his place at left back. Timber's ACL injury means we're probably not going to see him again this season, at least not for a long time. Manus, how big a mess do you think Timber will be? Huge. Although he did play just a couple of games at left back, I think instantly you can feel that he's going to be a huge miss because um, Tommy Asu came in at left back in his place and some of the, the responsibilities of the role of the left back in this back three... I feel that nobody except maybe Zinchenko, there's nobody except Timber who can do that. Um, just to sustain the level of pressure in the final third, retention, perhaps driving with the ball, hitting the spaces when they're available. I think he's going to be a huge miss. And we sort of felt that in this game as well. There's still a week left in the transfer window, give or take. And so we do have time to sign a replacement for Timber if we feel that's necessary. Do you guys want us to sign a replacement for Timber, Seb? I think we should, considering we are now basically in the same situation we were last season, personnel-wise, and we're still looking to uh, sell at least one, if not two, of that defensive group, depending on what will happen with Rob Holding. Kieran Tierney seems to certainly be off, considering he didn't even make the squad in both games so far. Uh, so I think one addition, be it a loan, uh, an opportunistic loan if we could find any, or a sort of development signing would be ideal. Yeah, 100%. I think we definitely need a defender on the left side. Assuming that this is the sort of setup that we want to continue you know, playing with, uh, we definitely need somebody who's comfortable on the ball and can defend the channels as well. Not necessarily someone who can invert, probably from left back because they'll be having like the right back invert currently. I I'm not going to say names because I really don't know, but we definitely do need a defender now. For the time being, though, the replacement was Takahiro Tomiyasu, who, on paper at least, is pretty similar to Yuri and Timber in that he came to Arsenal as a centre back who could maybe play right back 
and then ended up playing at left back. How do you think, Seb, he performed in this game? Do you think he was a solid enough replacement for Timber? I mean, he got sent off for one, so there's a slight (laughs) difference in performance there. Uh, Although we can definitely discuss how that sending off came to be. Uh, But yeah, I think he did reasonably well overall. Things we didn't necessarily see are like those driving runs that Timber has in him. He went into the opposition half once that I can remember, where he sort of got entangled into a one-on-one that he somehow dangly solved into a corner. Um, There's definitely a sort of qualitative dip in sort of attacking situations, especially from the left, where I feel he's not as good as when coming from the right. Um, But when he is set deep and was just sort of tasked with rotating possession and sort of probing from the sort of left centre-back spot, I think he did a reasonable job there. Manus, how do you think Tomiyasu performed? I think he was just as good as you can expect from a backup doing that. Um, we we already know that Tomiyasu is pretty good defensively, but I felt, you know, he was playing through maybe some sort of rust because he's not played a uh, competitive game for a long time. Uh, Ayu, I think, had the beating of him a couple of times on uh, on 1v1s, uh, where he just, you know, just did a step over and he just beat him on 1v1. And I feel, um, and going forward, I think he was hesitant at times because, and again, it's probably unfair to him. Right? He's not technically a left-back and we shouldn't really compare him to Timber because Timber is like much better technically, I think. But there were instances where he could have played certain riskier passes, maybe when he was like receiving in the half space high up, you know, just around the corner of the defender into into Eddie or into Havertz. But he chose to like play the safe pass. And as far as the as far as his sending off goes, I think the first one is just not deserved because you know it was Havertz who wasted half the time and then he came on the ball. So I think that's a stupid. Stupid yellow to get, but yeah, the second one I feel is probably a little bit his fault because I think when the ball's coming, he misreads the flight of the ball, and Ayu sort of sells him like he checks and he sells him, and then he just grabs his shirt a little bit. And I mean, you're giving the referee the chance to make a decision at that point, and like he just gets sent off. I think it's harsh, but the second one, I, f- I feel he did make a mistake there. Yeah, I I don't want to dwell too much on the fact that he got sent off because I don't think there's anything particularly tactically interesting in the sending off. Um, I do think, though, that he was growing into the game somewhat and he was gaining confidence through the game. So I'm a little bit sad just for him that he got sent off because I feel like as the game went on, he was getting better. And I think we could have seen more from him had he stayed on the pitch longer. Tomiyasu probably wasn't the change that we were expecting, though, when we knew that Timber was out injured. Uh, More people probably expected Gabriel to come back into the side, uh, either at the left-back spot or coming in at centre-back with us playing a different left-back, say, Kivio or even Tomiyasu. Manus, why do you think Arteta chose to stick with the inverting right-back system from Nottingham Forest instead of bringing Gabriel in? 
I think there's two part to, parts to this. One, I feel he didn't think Forrest and Crystal Palace were much of a threat to the backline. There's that. Because then there's sort of extended thinking that maybe I can replace him with an a, a profile that's more suited to going forward, right? And second, I think, is because Zinchenko is not available. I mean, he's available for this game, but maybe he's not 100% fit to start a game right now. And because that's going on, we need to invert somebody from the right back. And I don't think he trusts Gabriel to step on the ball and, you know, attract somebody and then pass both channels from center back, central center back. The role that Saliba does. Because if somebody is going to invert from the right back, the left center back is going to be the central center back. So I think th- those angles for him are not comfortable. And you also need somebody who can like play really good, you know, floated balls over the top, which Saliba did a lot. So essentially, the system requires the central center back to be sort of a you know quarterback sort of role. Because what we've done is essentially make the midfield a little bit redundant. Uh, we didn't necessarily abandon central midfield, but it's the center back who's responsible for progression now for us. And I think that Saliba does that better. So I think there are two facets to this, and it may still continue going forward unless you know Zinchenko comes in. Then we'll see what sort of tweak he makes. Speaking of Gabriel being phased out of the side, uh, we got some got some praise, got some shout outs from the FPL nerds on Twitter who were able to use our prediction of Gabriel getting dropped to not pick him and then do better in FPL. So we've got a little bit more pressure on our squad selections at the end of each podcast <laughs> now. Um, but thank you for listening um, and we appreciate your support and hope we can be more help than harm to your FPL calls over the course of the season. The second big choice Arteta made with the squad selection this game was actually not a change, but to keep things the same. And that is with continuing to play Eddie Nketiah up front. Um, We thought last week that Trossard might come in, get a game, as he'd been doing well in preseason and made some good performances off the bench in the Community Shield and against Forest. But he stuck with Nketiah. Um, Seb, what do you make of Eddie's performance? There was quite a bit of uh, discussion about his performance on the timeline, I saw. Um, I thought he was excellent. I thought for the entire 60 minutes, he was probably our best attacker uh, on the pitch. His activity was really good. He was coming short and sort of linking up with his teammates, creating uh, movement that way. He created two big chances out of basically nothing. The first one where he rolled both defenders and the second one where he uh, had some great movement to create that shot, as well as just creating the penalty through, again, being active and having sort of quick thinking from a, a free-kick routine, which, as an aside, is something we've seen quite a lot over the last, over preseason and the first few games, where we've been able to create relatively dangerous situations from uh, executing free-kicks quickly. Not necessarily even just uh, set pieces where there's immediate threat, but also... Um, set pieces like in, in, in and around the center circle <clears throat> where we just continue play re- uh, very quickly, which leads to sort of underloaded situations for the defending team, um, which is something I've noticed. But yeah, I, I think Eddie has 
did what he had to do in the game. Had a really good game even without scoring, which is something that's quite contrary to how we saw him last season a lot, where good games from Eddie normally coincided with him scoring. Um, this time, I think he did everything but scoring extremely well. Um, and I really see him just continuing now for a bit, at least until Gabriel Jesus uh, is back and in and amongst things. Seb talked about the, how Eddie didn't score, did everything but score in this game. And our two biggest chances of the first half did fall to Eddie, who then promptly missed. Um, Manus, what, what is your view of the two Eddie chances in the first half? Do you think it's good that he's been getting into these positions? Or are you disappointed that he didn't put them away? It's definitely good that he's getting these chances and the fact that he's manufacturing these chances for himself right through intelligent movement through you know pinning his center back and rolling and that's that's something that i think he does very very well and it's very underappreciated but he can just spin the center back and he scored a fantastic goal last season doing that the first one he completely utterly he just creates that out of nothing and the second one where he's through on goal I think he should have scored that one or probably, you know, this time he should have passed because, you know, that's that's the discourse. But <laughs> um, I think, you, you see, when he's trying to chip that ball, probably he's a little bit too close to the goal to do that. But I think the ball just bounces up right before he makes contact. So he gets a little more, you know, height to it. But uh, I think he would have scored otherwise. I just, I just want to say on Eddie... I think he suffers from the fact that one, he's he came through the academy and he's not a you know flashy scorer. I think that gets people underappreciating him. I think he's perfectly good to be who he is for the squad. Uh, he's physical. He can he can definitely improve on certain aspects like link play and you know running the channels a little bit. But I think for what he is, he's very good. He he pins the centre backs really well. He's got good instincts in the box to, you know, get the chances. Just maybe, you know, some of the decision-making and he can improve his shooting and perhaps link up play, but I think he's very good. And I think what's really important to mention here and probably why he gets as much stick as he does is the fact that he's just been improving year on year while he's been at Arsenal and really took on Arteta's instructions massively. If you compare Eddie's games from two seasons ago or when he came back from Leeds from the loan to now is a completely different player. And I think a lot of people still index him the way he was and sort of don't give him the scope to improve the way he has done over the last few years. Um, and I think he's really blossomed into one of, if not the no, second probably best backup strikers, so to speak, in the Premier League. Yeah, I, I think... For me personally, going into this season, I underestimated the amount of faith that Arteta has in Eddie. I certainly would have thought that in these first few games where Jesus was out, I thought we'd see a lot more of Trossard up front. But Arteta clearly has faith in Eddie and believes in Eddie to perform well in that role uh, and give him starts. And I, and I think he has done well to repay that faith over these first two games. Moving on to more general tactical considerations, 
Another change that we saw from the Forest game was in our build-up shape, at least at the start of the match. Against Forest, we were using more of a three-than-one shape, where Thomas Partey was sat in front of a back three, and then we had a diamond midfield in front of him with Rice on the left, Havertz through the middle, and then Erdogan on the right, and then the front three of Martinelli, Nketiah, and Saka. In this game, that's not what we saw, though. We, at least at the start, saw Partey inverting from right back to form a two in front of the back line alongside Declan Rice, uh, and then a shape that's a bit more familiar to what we saw last season with a front five in front of those. Manas, why do you think Arteta made this change from the Forest game, and do you think it worked? I think the reason that he made the change is because, I think, adaptability. And he touched upon this uh, in his post-match interview, and we've talked about this as well. It's just about adaptability, and I think it did work in in the sense that Palace didn't really give us any trouble pressing-wise, or, you know, they didn't give us any resistance in stopping the progression of the ball towards the wings. They just crowded the middle so that we couldn't play passes through the middle. And we're fine, you know. We're anyways, we anyway want to play down the sides and outside the block and combine on the wings and then get our uh, guys moved. So I think it did work in terms of progression, but we didn't really create that much in this game, except the, the couple of chances that Eddie, Eddie got in the first half and didn't think we created a lot. Just quickly, I think there's also a significant out-of-possession consideration here, um, especially just mitigating uh, transition control or gaining transition control, mitigating transitions that way. Um, considering at, against Forest in the 3-1, we felt relatively comfortable leaving our outside centre-backs in 1v1s with their transition players because they didn't really send much up there. They had Brennan Johnson and Morgan Gibbs-White basically on their own trying to run against the back line. With Palace, it's a bit different. They have Olise, uh, not Olise, uh, Eze and uh, Edouard Central with willing runners outside of them, creating even more width outside. And if we had a 3-1 with Partey trying to cover those white spaces in transition, that would have just killed us. Having the two there uh, was better. And even the change to a sort of more flat uh, four across the back, I think had some consideration in uh, transition control, considering they were able to access their wide areas relatively quickly in transition, getting Ayu one against one against Tomiyasu and uh, getting Schlup on the other side. And I thought once we were able to change that, we controlled territory even better than we did before. You, you mentioned there, Seb, how we didn't actually stick to the 3-2 build-up shape for the whole game. About halfway through the first half, we dropped Partey a bit wider and went to more of a 4-1 shape. Uh, this changes something that we'll drill into a little bit more later. For now, though, I want to talk a little bit about Declan Rice. He played for the... Against Forrest, he was the left-sided eight of the diamond midfield, as I mentioned. But in this game, he was played further back as a six. And he was really, really good. Yeah. Um, 
where do I start here? Um, we know Declan Rice is able to sort of be an effective player on the left-hand side in attacking situations. He had some good overlaps there, some good combinations on that side, but I think this is where he really thrives. Um, early on in the game when we were sort of having three to build up, a lot of plays still ran through Partey primarily as a sort of first receiver. And Rice was in a situation that was quite familiar to him where he was sort of on the left-hand side of a double pivot, able to step up a bit, uh, get play going there, drop into the back line, and so on. Um, I think he really came to life after the switch when he was able to be more central, be the first receiver, and move from there. The the fluidity in our passing just went up tenfold. He's <laughs> He's just an incredible player and has really quickly become a lot better on the ball in our sort of dynamics, uh, which is quite evident in him. First of all, the speed of action with which he moves his moves the ball on when he gets it is incredibly good. It's a sort of two, three seconds maximum he's on the ball before he passes it on. And always considered uh, planning out his passes beforehand, whether it's a circulating option when it's appropriate, switching the point of attack, extremely effortlessly for one and when it's appropriate and on um moving up moving down his defensive play from those zones is incredible i mean genuinely i rarely see, i've rarely seen anyone even close to him um and i think this game has sort of a shown us rice is more than capable to start gaining those six responsibilities long-term. And I think we also did a few things that sort of trained us for the time when Zinchenko came back, which was A, Rice playing more centered to the right-hand side once Partey sort of became a more traditional right-back. Um, those zones where he was less comfortable and then sort of tried to gain more uh, more room there. And in the block when we were sort of in settled defense, he was on the right-hand side of the double pivot with Kai Havertz actually being the second pivot most of the time instead of uh, Oedegaard in the, like he was in the first two games when we were in the block, especially uh, the City game. That was quite often the case. Um, and I think some of that is actually due to uh, trying to figure things out for once Sinchenko's coming back. I'd be shocked if we didn't see... Once we do return to Sinchenko inverting from left back, I'm, I'd be shocked if we didn't see Rice playing the six most of the time. Miles, do you have anything to add? I think Seb pretty much covers it, but I just want to say it is incredible how fast he's you know, gone from West Ham football to Arsenal football and now being the lone six. It's taken him yeah. half of preseason... And two competitive games, three competitive games. Yeah, it's incredible. And that's something we mentioned early mm-hmm. on uh, when we were linked to him. The just the amount of learning he is able to do, and the quickness with which he learns, which was something West Ham fans pointed out to us when we did bought by him. It, it's really incredible to see how quickly he did sort of adapt and sort of gain himself to the system. I also enjoy how quickly. 
he was able to switch back to West Ham football again <laughs> after we got the red card and settled into that block. The ghost of Moise is still in him. That was his game. <laughs> there's a there's a moment in the second half, right, where I think Odegaard is asking uh, the defense to push up, push up because the ball's gone out uh, near the halfway line and Rice is like, cough it. Like, we've, we've got 10 men. We're not going to push up. Like, So he's, <laughs> yeah. he's not only, he's just come, like he's practically a leader already and he's, Throughout the games, like he's directing people when to, you know, yeah, go forward, where to position themselves. So I think, yeah, he's going to be the linchpin of this side going forward. Yeah. Just one more little thing that I noticed. Um, he's an incredibly springy player, right? Like over the first five meters, he's extremely good. And that not only helps him in defensive situations, but also what happened a few times is being able to sort of quickly shift from his marker to make himself available for a pass or drag drag his marker with him to open up a pass into the midfield, which he did a few times in that game and just works really well. Moving on to tactical changes that happened during the game, there, there were two big ones, both of which we've alluded to already in the pod. The first was around 25 minutes in, we stopped playing a 3-2 build-up shape and moved Partey wider to have more of a 4-1 shape. Well, you could, I suppose you could still argue it was a 3-2, it's just one of the two was very wide. Um, and the second one came after Tomiyasu's red card when we settled in to a mean, mean block. There was like a 5-3-1, even a 5-4-0 at times after Eddie and Kessia came off. Let's have a look at this single pivot first. Manus, why do you think we made the change from 3-2 to 4-1? Because I feel it wasn't working. Um, We were extremely rigid and slow in our approach play in the final third. We were fairly comfortable getting the ball out of the wingers 1v1. And I think we made in some very, very good switches early on. I think White did it once. Once it was Rice and once Party. They switched the ball from the right, pinged it into Martinelli and he was 1v1. And I feel he should have done better in those situations. We will come to that. We're not really talking about that right now. I think the 3-1, when we were 3-4-1, it's because Palace weren't really giving us any resistance to progress the ball, right? And they were they were in this sort of 4-2-2-2 shape where uh, the left finger is so a little bit inside and screening the half space. So we want to pull this guy either inside or make him go outside to open up the half space for passing, right? And I don't think it really happened either in the 3-2 or in the 4-1 because the shape that Roy Hudson deployed, they just wouldn't engage. Palace did not engage us. They did not fall for our rotations. They just didn't move with the pivot. So now... Uh, the pass to the winger is fairly easy and it's always open. We went over the top to Saka as well a couple of times. Now, where I think it broke down for us attacking-wise is we didn't do our rotations. We didn't pass really well when we were in the wing, on the wing side. So, I think if even if you talk about 4-1, 3-2, I think we were 3-2 for about 20 minutes and then we did 4-1 and then we came back to 3-2. I don't think it had a significant impact in terms of progression because we did that anyway. Uh, I, f- I feel that it was there is not much here in this game to talk about in terms of our build-up shape. But I do want to talk about the off-ball shape, which will come to, I think. 
Go on then, Manus. Tell us about the off-ball. So, uh, when I was watching back the game to the first half, my I, I completely lost my head. I think if, if I was Mikhail on the sideline and I would have bollocked these guys at halftime that how can you allow Palace to pass you know, through you, through the centre? We didn't press them enough. We didn't press with any intensity. And when the high press is changing from, you know, a high press, and then you're going to the mid block because they've progressed the ball forward past the front two in phase one, we just did not get back in shape quick enough. It was absolute, like, I was, like, fuming watching this back. I think there is one instance around... uh, uh, I think it's the 15th minute where Odegaard goes to press the their left centre-back and he's slowly coming and the left centre-back has all the time in the world to play the long board to Edouard. And he controls it with ease and he's straight into the back line. I think he gets a shot off, but you know it didn't come too much. And there are there's this period from minute 15 to about minute 24, where they just keep going through us. And if this was any team except Palace or any of the top six, and if not for Rice, we would have got like we would have gotten slapped in this game. Like we would have conceded at least a couple of goals in that first half. Yeah, I, I think it was definitely too easy for Palace to play through in the middle, especially in that. 10 minute spell that you mentioned 15 minutes to 25 minutes roughly in there i do think though that we were able to wrestle control back from palace um and we had much more control of the game in the second half of the second half um so i'm not overly concerned about it even though you're right it wasn't great and i do think I don't think Arteta thinks like this. I think Arteta wants us to be the best version of us. I don't think he wants us to be a city or someone like that. But when you look at Manchester City, in games like this, they don't have moments where they lose control for 10 minutes. They are in complete control all the way through the game in games like this. And so we are going to have to eliminate these lapses, I suppose, if we're going to be at a 90, 95, 100 point level. Seb, do you have anything to add? No, not really. I watched the game, the first half at least. Like, um, I wasn't able to get as worked up as Smash uh, since I watched it in the bath. <laughs> um, but I, th- I sort of land on the camp that the sort of 20 minutes where we, 10 minutes where we lost control was as much down to Palace actually being quite good on the ball as it was us not being able to close them down quick enough. And I just, I didn't just not enough sample size for me to be worried about that yet. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, we should be worried because it is even at our absolute worst, which I thought like this performance of the ball, that half of the first half, we're still a very good team, right? Technically. So we can, at any moment, we can just get the ball back and keep it for like a couple of minutes and that, you know, you completely change the momentum from that. But I feel we should have pressed them much better and made them 
play the balls that they wanted to play over the top quicker so don't get give the center back time to aim it and you know play it accurately that's how you regain possession another thing that i noticed was when we go went long uh, into havertz when the second ball dropped we were not quick enough to win those balls we did not win enough second balls and that's one way to break down a deep blocks to invite them in and then go over the top and then win your second balls and create from there i don't think we did that enough either so the red card that happened and afterwards we dropped into a low block that was the envy of Sean Dyche Burnley. I was sat there, like, with my head in my hands, watching the final 20 minutes or so, I'll be perfectly honest. Not because, like, I thought it was particularly bad, but just because sitting in a low block is quite stressful and I don't enjoy it when we do it. But we were quite good. So, Seb, what do you make of Mikhail Arteta's David Moyes gene? <laughs> Um, this isn't the first time we saw this, and considering that, I was actually quite calm during that period because A, Palace weren't really threatening that much anymore. The only sort of squeaky situation we got ourselves in was an essay dribble, which ended up in Partey sort of half fouling him, which could have been a penalty, could have not been a penalty. Sort of a considerable situation either way. Um, but we saw it against Liverpool in the 2021-22 season where we went down to 10 minutes, like 30 minutes into the game and sort of completely killed the game with the 5-3-1. Uh, um, there's an interesting thing about how managers do their uh, setups once they're down a man. A lot of people just go to a 4-4-1, sort of try to defend with two banks of four that way. You leave a lot of space on the sides there. So the, the three five uh, five three one sorry is probably the most um, resolute defensive shape you can have in those situations. You cover all five lanes um, horizontally. You have ample cover in zone fourteen and general zones around the box, and it's something that from the execution we have is something that's definitely drilled into these players. And I find it absolutely hilarious that Arteta is drilling the nastiest low block into them just in case we need it once every season. The one concern I had, though, watching it was that I felt like Palace found it too easy to stop us from getting out. I think I would have rather... There was a moment immediately after Jorginho and Zinchenko came on we had like a minute or so of just controlled possession in their half, which really emphasised how much control we could have if we wanted to. Um, but I really wish we'd seen more of that. Like, e even if it had just been like once or twice, we'd been able to escape the Palace pressure and just sit in their own half, sit in their half for a minute or so instead of their sitting in ours. I would have much preferred that to... 20 minutes solid of Palace attacking with one time where we had a bit of the ball. Um, Manas, what do you, what, what, what did you make of it? I think that's probably the part of the game where I know Palace have all the momentum, but I felt that we were in control. We basically didn't allow any shots, did we, except that one header and 
uh, where like you know SA decided to go like peak Neymar and to almost won the penalty on us. I I felt we were completely in control. Like I was not worried once Gabriel came on and then we just started throwing on defenders. Uh, all they could do was you know cross from really deep position uh, deep positions like back in the half space. So I I felt we were comfortable and that small little spell towards the 90th minute couple of minutes where we held the ball was incredible. Um you know so I think that so Arteta could have gone two ways with this. He could have kept a couple of you know uh, he uh, runners on like Martin and he could have kept them on but he definitely prefers the suffer ball like he, he i don't know he just absolutely loves it and uh, we've got the you know got really base some of the biggest defenders in the league i felt we were comfortable i don't think that it, it was like i was not sweating it at that point he he did say in his press conference as well the after the game that he enjoyed the last 20 minutes Arteta is a sicko and I'm not sure how I feel about it. The final thing I want to touch on around the game is Zinchenko. We we saw him come on uh, and he did have an impact as we saw where he controlled possession for a little while. And hopefully that means that we'll be able to see him come into the side from the start very soon. How how do you think Zinchenko's return will change the way we've played compared to these first two games without him. I've already touched on this a few times. My hunch is that we will return to sort of dynamics that are quite familiar to us once he's back. Um some of the things we did in this game seemed to me to be an attempt to get Rice familiar with the positions the six occupies when the left back inverts instead of the right back. Um as well as Havertz being more inside the block when we do actually block um so i think one thing that'll definitely happen is uh gabriel being back in that's something i will i'm pretty certain will happen once inchenko is back um what another great benefit we have there is ben white being able to play the role he played last season a lot of the best moments sakas had in both games came when he sort of had his dynamic with uh, ben white again and was able to interchange with him ben just knows the dynamics on that side really well and it's just a lot more fluid that way around um so i think we can only benefit from it especially considering zinchenko himself is just an incredibly important piece to the team uh, both in terms of ball progression and the quickness with which we play out of the back um so i think we stand to improve only once Sinchenko is back in which i expect will be as soon as the next game. Yeah, i think Sinchenko is by far and away our best passer from left back and i think at times we've really missed that in these opening few games. Even when when Timber's in there, which we spoke about in the community shield pod. Timber like as much as he's a great dribbler, he doesn't have that pass execution that Zinchenko does and there was also a couple times where Tomiyasu found himself in advanced spaces uh where I you could see like channel passes like through to Eden Kessia through to Martinelli that were on and the player like in Kessia for example was like showing to be played through the lines and Tomiyasu chose not to play that pass and I think Zinchenko wouldn't have hesitated I think he would have played that ball straight away and I think that's the big thing that we're going to enjoy seeing again when Zinchenko's back fit and playing. 
Uh, Manus, do you have anything to add? No, I think I agree with the both of you. Um, I was I was thinking that how can you know he gets Zinchenko back at left back and still maintain the current dynamics? But I think it's better to go back to the old ones uh, because Zinchenko is better in voting, right? And he's just way better at penetrating the passes centrally than anybody that we've got in midfield currently. Party can do that, but he doesn't do that enough, in my opinion. And Zinchenko just loves a line-breaking pass. Like, he'll just slip it through a couple of lines and uh, uh, you don't even see those passes. Uh, it's important that he's back. Um, you know, we need to get him playing really quickly. And I think, yeah, we sort of go back to the old dynamics and get him pushing up into the half spaces as well where, you know, he can help retain possession and, like you said, play some of those uh, line passes into space where habits can run onto them. Okay, let's wrap up our discussion of the Fulham game with one takeaway each. Manus, what's the biggest thing you've learnt about Arsenal from this game? Nothing. <laughs> really? Yeah, I, I like I said before, before we even started recording, I don't think that there's anything to take away from this game. But if I have to say, it's that uh, I loved the... Um, Harambo, like the sufferable. So I think it's happy to see that we can do that if required. Sam? Uh, I'll sort of make up for Manus by dropping two small things in here. One is just Declan Rice rarely, if ever, giving up that six shirt when he's available or in the extreme circumstances when, you want, when we want him to play higher. Uh, and the other is Kai Havertz who again had a game that went under the radar, but I think was quite good. He was our best dual winner in both games. And if we know anything about Mikel Arteta, it's that he values winning the four-game duels. And yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy with him, considering he takes up some of the roles Shaka has had in previous seasons quite well. One thing is uh, winning second balls and winning duels, and the other is just using his body to draw fouls, which he's done, especially against Palace, quite a few times. Um, which was encouraging. Those are the sort of things I took away from it. Yeah, I'm quite glad you brought up Habits because I did want to quickly chat about him. I, I think I've seen a few people just being a little bit frustrated that they haven't seen loads from him yet. And I, I think what Havertz has been showing over these last couple games is that he can be a really good system player yeah. and he's learning the system, learning the way that he needs to play in our midfield, in our front five. Uh, and I think he's doing a good job at that without doing anything spectacular. He's someone who showed up really well in rewatches. I, I want to throw a quick shout out to Billy Carpenter, who is a Arsenal writer who writes some really, really great articles. And in his article about last week's game against Forrest, he talks about the idea that the players who really stand out and make things happen in these games against stubborn low blocks aren't the ones that follow the system and rigidly do what they've been told. It's the ones that deliberately go against the system and make a risky pass, make a risky dribble, take a shot when they should be playing the ball to the safer guy. And I think that's what people are expecting to see from Havertz. 
the thing that will show in time will, will make Havertz a great signing versus a fine one is if he can add those to his game once he's feeling confident in the system. Can he be the guy to break the system by taking a shot, a low percentage shot, making a threaded through pass that no one else can see? If we start to see that from Havertz, then I think we'll start to see the player that everyone thought he could be. Yeah. He also desperately needs a goal for his public perception. Um, and he just stands to benefit once we trust him to let the game f- flow through him more and get him more involved. At that point, I think he will show some of those game-breaking qualities. If, if you want to read the Billy Carpenter article I mentioned, I'll link his substack in the description of the pod. Do go check him out. He's so good. Very good. Very, very good. We're running out of time here, so we're not going to do a particularly in-depth Fulham preview. Not that we were going to do a particularly in-depth Fulham preview anyway. Um, The rundown on Fulham is that they're not great. Uh, Last year, they overperformed expectations with a lot of nice combinations down the wings before crossing to Alexander Mitrovic. They now no longer have Alexander Mitrovic, and they've replaced him with Raul Jimenez, who was is not not great. He was great, and then he whacked his head, and he hasn't been great ever since. So Fulham haven't been very good. Uh, Seb, you told me last night that they've conceded a lot of expected goals in these opening two games of the season. What was the number exactly? That that's an understatement. Uh, they conceded. 6.7 expected goals across two games, almost four against Fulham, uh, against Brentford, sorry, sort of compounded by the fact they had a man sent off, and against Everton, who themselves are not very good, they conceded 2.7 expected goals and one one zero. Uh Bentleno already has the most saves and the most goals prevented in the league. Uh <laughs> Which is a role that suits him, as we've seen at Arsenal. Uh, once shots rain down on him, he tends to be quite good. Uh, they have above-average fullbacks in both positions with Kenny Tete and Anthony Robinson. Joao is not playing much currently, which sort of half uh, correlates with the fact that his future is uncertain. Uh, it would be interesting to see if he plays. He's a huge upgrade on Sasha Lukic if he does play. Uh, and Tim Ream got sent off against Brentford, which is a big miss for them. So they probably play Issa Diop and Mohamed Salisu. Uh, no, Calvin Bassi is the one they ended up signing, who's good, but yeah, is a monkey, very I think. young. Yeah, yeah. It was between those two which Fulham would sign. They ended up with Bassi. Still unsure if that's the right decision. But yeah, uh, they are not very good at the moment. <laughs> Fair enough. So ho- hopefully we will continue our winning run. Uh, as we have mentioned earlier, we've gained a lot of followers who are here for FPL reasons and wanting to know who will and won't start for Arsenal each weekend. So I feel like we are now somewhat more obligated to do our lineup prediction than we perhaps were a couple weeks ago. Um, Manus, do you think there will be any changes against Fulham to the starting lineup that started this game against Palace? Well, Zinchenko is going to start because Tomiyasu mm-hmm. got sent off. And if Zinchenko is going to start, then I feel party might miss out. 
Um, even though he did decently okay at right back, he won a lot of his duels, misplayed a, misplaced a few passes. Um, but I think now that seeing Rice in the lone six in the last game, I think Zinchenko might start and Party might miss out. I think I don't feel there's going to be any other change except that. Yeah. So for you, is Gabriel starting watches? I reckon we reckon he'll start this game. Gabriel, I don't think that he will. Uh, really, if Zinchenko what? starting. So, so what? What? what are you, so, what are you thinking? Are you not? Are you not thinking right out to white back okay. and then Saliba Gabriel? Yeah. Back? So if if party's not starting, then Gabriel has to start. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Okay. With that, I think we are done. Thank you to Manus and Seb for joining me. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed digging into this game i've certainly enjoyed hearing your takes on it uh if you've enjoyed it then please make sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review if you think we are any good uh we've also added a q a question on spotify which is a thing we didn't know we could do so you can go to spotify and answer the q a question i think it's did you like the pod tell us if you did um please follow us on socials you can find us on twitter at potshotpod as well as on instagram or threads on the same handle as well you can also find all the potshot crew on twitter uh our handles are in the description thank you to james blake for making our music you can find him on all good music platforms at jw blake we'll be back next week for a review of the fulham game cheers